there is no proper timeline. There is no textbook rule. Um, everyone's grief, like you said, is individualized. And truthfully, grief is something that never goes away. You learn to coexist with it. Um, I often say when I publicly speak, grief is something that you have to hold hands with throughout the journey of your life. Hey, welcome back to Normalize a Conversation. Today, I'm here with clinical pharmacist, Dr. Monica. We've had Dr. Monica on before. I'm so excited to bring her back. She is one of my favorite people. I learned so much from her last time, and I hope you guys did too. So today, we're actually going to talk about grief. Dr. Monica, welcome to the Two Timers Club. How are you feeling today? Uh, Thank you, Fran. I'm so excited to be here back again with you uh, on your amazing platform. Um, So yeah, thank you. Of course. So previously, we spoke about your passion to educate society on how psychiatric medicine can affect the brain. So today we are going to switch gears and talk about grief. What inspired your passion to normalize the conversation on grief? Yeah, so, you know, Mental health is such a huge passion for me and a topic like grief, which is within mental health, um, is an area that, you know, truthfully, no one wants to talk about. So when I was dealing with my own grief 11 years ago, no one wanted to talk about it. So I felt really alone. And um, now I look back 11 years later and I'm just like, gosh, why does why is society not really talking about something that every single person at some point in their life will have to face? Some people face it early in life, like myself. Some people are dealing with it later on in their life, but everyone goes through it. And it's a topic that's really difficult, but it's a topic that has to be talked about. I completely agree. I always say that we're all going to deal with loss. And yet it's something we don't prepare anyone for. We don't teach kids how to cope at a young age, because no matter who you are, you're going to lose somebody. And you're going to lose people through death, you're going to lose just relationships. And you're going to lose friends, there's just so much that you unfortunately are going to lose, because that's part of life to love is to lose as well. So I'm so happy that you are having these conversations because I really think this is one of the biggest pieces missing from mental health and mental health conversations. So when we talk about the process of grieving, many of us immediately think of those five stages of grief. In your experience, what did grieving look like? Did it follow the five stages? Yeah. So when we talk about the five stages, you know, we talk about denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Um, And, you know, everyone's stages are different, right? For me personally, um, I don't have much denial. um, And we'll talk about that a little bit later on in in the episode. Um, But I went kind of straight to anger. And my anger was towards God. It was towards my husband. Um, And then I don't think I really had too much bargaining. But I was in depression for a really long time, uh, being in that 
stage is when I went to acceptance and it was such a liberating moment for me that I accepted that this is what it is. Thank you for sharing that because I think when people don't go through the five stages, they think something's wrong with them. And then they're not sure if they're grieving properly because there must be a proper way to grieve, right? I mean, we should know that there's no proper way, that every single person is different. And, you know, when I had lost a loved one a few years back, I had this idea that after the first year, it would be easier, right? I just had to get through the holidays once. And then a year came and gone and my grief wasn't like resolved. It wasn't suddenly gone. I wasn't okay with it yet. And I think that people feel like something is wrong with them when their grief continues on for an extended period of time as well. So do you think there's a proper timeline for grief? What a powerful question, Fran. And to answer your question, um, there is no proper timeline. There is no textbook rule. Um, Everyone's grief, like you said, is individualized. And truthfully, grief is something that never goes away. You learn to coexist with it. Um, I often say when I publicly speak, grief is something that you have to hold hands with throughout the journey of your life. Um, So yeah, there is no proper timeline. Like I said, it never goes away. It does get easier over time. But that time can be for some people, two years, five years, 20 years. Um, So no one should hold like that, uh, you know, timeline over their head, because there is no timeline. Exactly. And I really want to expand on that because again, going back to the five stages of grief, I think a lot of us expect to almost get over it once we make it through what we expect or perceive those five stages to be. So do you think that we ever just get over the loss and life goes back to whatever that form of normal we expect it to? Life will never be the same when you are in the stage of grief and you've lost a loved one. Um, And there's so many types of losses, right? I mean, for me personally, it was the loss loss of my spouse, um, my husband, and uh, the partner that I thought I was going to grow old with and raise my children with. Um, My children suffered a loss of a father. Um, So yeah, life is never going to be the same because there's always going to be that void in your life, but you will find a new normal. Your new normal for me, it was my family of four has now shifted to a family of three. And um, it is not easy. It is not easy, but over time, you um, learn to accept it and you learn to, um, and once you get to acceptance, that's when you start creating new things in your new normalcy, new memories, new, um, you know, new goals. Um, but like I said, it takes time um, to find your new normal. It does. And on that same note, I think that a lot of people expect to just finish grieving and never experience that pain again. And I can tell you um, about up to 30 minutes before we were recording, I was crying, missing my grandfather. I just had something trigger me and I was like, 
I miss him. I wish he was here. I came to my grandmother just crying and I drove 30 minutes to come hold her and just cry to her. So I think that when we first spoke, actually, you introduced me to this concept called pain body. And I think that's something that just today specifically, I really related to. And I would love if you could share more about that with our listeners. Absolutely. So I came across this powerful word called pain body just a few years ago when I was reading a book called The Power of Now. So The Power of Now is such an amazing book written by thought leader Eckhart Tolle. So according to Eckhart Tolle, who is an amazing thought leader, um, he's one of my favorite spiritual teachers. And through his teachings, I've learned that people hold on to pain. You hold on to pain and you store it, right? Um, And you store it inside your body. And there's an actual definition that he uses. And he says, the pain body is something that is cumulative, that is brought together from all our previous psychological and emotional trauma from our infancy all the way to our present life. So it's something that can be triggered. Like my pain body, you know, 11 years later can be triggered by Father's Day or my wedding anniversary, which is in July, um, my children's birthday. So the pain body doesn't know that, is that Monica's pain from 11 years ago? Or is that Monica's pain from two days ago? Because the body sees it and it's stored in there um, and it can be triggered anytime. That is, I love that you explained that because I think people feel so weak when they're triggered afterwards and they're like, why can't I get over this? Why am I still feeling this way? How am I feeling that same pain and just heartache that I felt so many years ago? And it's really nice to know that it has a name. And that it's not something that we're kind of making up or being dramatic about and all the different ways we like to invalidate it. So I'm so appreciative of you sharing that. I think a lot of people just need to know that it's normal and it's okay and that there's a name. So another misconception that I really want to go into is within the idea of these stages of grief, you have to go through it without any extra tools or support such as medication, for example. There can be this idea that because everyone grieves, I would be considered weak if I needed an additional form of support. How can medication maybe be an asset to someone as they are grieving? Excellent question. So when I often talk about um, mental health and specifically grieving, I always say use the entire toolbox when it comes to taking care of yourself. You've got non-pharmacological things, right, that can help boost your moods, like exercising and nutrition and therapy, counseling, but sometimes it's not enough. Let me tell you, when you are in that thick of that dark gloom tunnel, no amount of blueberries or mood-boosting foods or therapy or exercise is going to help you get through that dark tunnel. Sometimes you need the help of a low-dose antidepressant, um, like myself. Being a clinical pharmacist, I 
felt like, okay, it's normal to cry this much a year later until one day I realized I'm like, I got to get over this hump. I need to just have pockets of feeling alive again and happy again. And I'm proud. I'm proud that I seeked help from medication. Um, and I was on it for quite a few years. And now I advocate for patients who need to take it because you shouldn't be ashamed of using all the different tools you need to, to help yourself. I completely agree. And I think it's so amazing when a clinical pharmacist is telling you that they've done it too. I think a lot of people feel afraid that the world is just pushing medication on them and everyone goes straight to medication. But to know that people who are giving you medication also use this medication and they really believe in it and it has helped them just like it can help you. So I really appreciate you sharing that because I think it gives people a lot of comfort. Another thing I really, really want to touch on is this myth that you grieve less when you know in advance that someone is going to die. For example, an illness that progresses over time or an elderly person who lived a long time versus someone who you may lose in a tragic car accident or to suicide. Why is this a myth? Yeah, it is a myth. You know, I don't believe that there is such a thing called grieving less. I think the difference between, you know, somewhat preparing for someone's death, like I did, because my husband was ill, versus let's say someone who suddenly dies in um, a helicopter accident, like Kobe Bryant, right? Um, it's the shock factor. That's the difference. There's the shock factor where all of a sudden, like something like this has happened, someone has died, you have not prepared yourself. And even if you knew someone was ill, there's just so much you can do to prepare yourself. There's still going to be a bit of shock when you are dealing with someone's illness and you know that, okay, they've got six months or a year or two years um, until they pass. Uh, but the shock factor is just such more uh, of an impact when it is a sudden loss. So I don't think that there is such a thing as grieving less and no one's grief is more or less. I think once again, everyone's grief journey um, is individualized and no one should ever, ever judge someone because of whatever factors, you know? Yes, I'm so happy you shared that because I think a lot of people are just so judgy when someone loses someone and someone's grieving. I mean, there was a show I just watched on Netflix. It was like the woman in the window, house across the street. I don't yes. know the name. It's so long. I saw that too. But remember how bad they talked about, I forgot the girl's name, who Kristen, the character Kristen Bell played because of her grieving, right? And they, instead of supporting her, showing up for her, being there for her, they were like, how is she not over it yet? And I think that it's not just in the media we see that. We kind of have this perceived notion that people should grieve faster. And if you knew it was coming, then you should have been prepared. And if you didn't know it was coming and something happened, maybe you caused it. How did you cause it? What happened? You know, there's a lot of shame towards grieving, no matter how you lost someone. So I'm really happy that you brought that up. So thank you for that. Of course. 
So as someone who has been there, I know for me specifically, one of the most frustrating parts of grieving was comments like time heals all wounds or it'll get easier every day. What do you think are some of the things we should not say to someone who's grieving? Ah, great question. Great question, because I wish I had someone advocating for me 11 years ago of what not to say. So the first thing I would say not to say to someone who is grieving is time will heal. Just give it time. No, you do not want to say that. Number two, you will move on. Cannot say that to someone who is grieving. Number three, at least he is not suffering anymore. You know what? When someone is in the thick of grieving, you cannot say that. And then this one, I absolutely hated when people would say this to me. Everything happens for a reason. When you're in the middle of grieving and you're dealing with the loss of, like for me, like my spouse, like, how does that even make sense? Like, how does everything happens for a reason? Like, what could be a good reason for me to lose my spouse at such a young young age? So those would be the things that I would say, uh, and there's so many more, but those are like some of the top ones I can think of. I love all the ones you brought up because that's what we say to people. We try to rationalize it, justify it, try to give some faith behind it. And we don't realize how invalidating it is and how just difficult it is because then you don't feel comfortable opening up to them or showing how you're feeling. You kind of try to hold it all inside when you're around people and then you just feel so alone in it. So I think that was very valuable information. And on the other side of that, What do you think are some words of support and encouragement that we can share with someone who's grieving? I would say that when someone is in the thick of grieving, um, here are a few things you want to say. The first one is just showing compassion. I am sorry for your loss. You and your family are in my prayers. It's something very simple, showing empathy and compassion. Number two, I am unable to comprehend what you are going through, but know I am here for you. Number three, I don't know what to say to you right now. So please tell me how I can help you. Number four, I just want you to know that you are loved. Those are all so amazing and so important. Letting someone know that they're not alone, that they're loved, that you're there for them. Even asking how you can support them and be there for them. A lot of people are afraid because they're like, well, I don't want them to think I don't know what I'm doing and how to be there or that I'm not compassionate, but it is compassionate by just showing up and letting them know that maybe I haven't experienced this loss before, or I'm not in your shoes and I can't feel it the way you're feeling it, but I want to be there for you. I want to do everything I can so that you do feel loved and supported through this and that you know you're not alone. So how can I be there is really one of the most powerful questions you can ask someone at that time, as well as just that reminder that 
I'm here for you. A lot of people feel burdened. I know that was something I felt a lot was that I was burdening someone if I was talking about how I was feeling because I didn't want to bring them down or I didn't want to trigger their own feelings with loss or I didn't want to just, I guess, make them feel something that they shouldn't feel at that time or they shouldn't have to feel. I was just so afraid of burdening someone. So if someone had just said to me, I'm here for you, I want to be here for you. I think that could have made such a big difference in my life. And I think in so many lives of people who are grieving. Now, before we wrap up, what is one piece of advice that you can offer to someone who's currently grieving? Um, so before I go into that, I'd like to just kind of elaborate a little bit on what you just said. Um, and just a little tidbit of what I had gone through when I was going through it. Um, I did not have friends who could understand what I was going through. Um, I had one really good friend who would text me um, during difficult days, but a lot of friends kind of pushed me away. And it's not until recently um, when a really good friend of mine, Dr. Gandhi, came into my life in 2018, where she said all these things to me. She said, I'm unable to comprehend what you're going through. How can I be here for you? Um, I don't know what to say. So please tell me how I can help. And, you know, today she is like probably one of my biggest cheerleaders. We do a lot of uh, collaboration work together, but I just wanted to let the viewers know that surround yourself with friends who uplift you and get rid of the friends who are toxic and cannot be there for you, you do not need that energy. So I would say, find yourself a friend, like how I found a friend in Dr. Gandhi, who is there for me, even now, 11 years later, when I'm shedding tears and having my pain body come up, she's there for me. So surround yourself with people who can uplift you. I absolutely love that. And I was wondering if you could elaborate on some warning signs that someone is that toxic person who can't be there for you. I think a lot of people just don't know how to identify that. So if you wouldn't mind sharing. Yeah. So warning signs are kind of like if someone kind of stares at you or is still questioning why you're crying like four years later or five years later. Um, I know for me, um, I would stop getting invited to things. I reality is, is people want to be around people who are happy all the time. And I think the hard thing is, is when you're going through grief, you're not feeling happy and you're feeling sad and you're feeling miserable. And I know for my own self, I had to put on a fake persona, like, oh, I'm okay. Or I put on my makeup, my pink lipstick, my hair looks good. I look all glam. She must be fine because she's looking put together. But deep down inside, like no one knows what you're going through. So I think the hard part is, is um, putting that pressure on yourself that you have to feel this happiness all the time. And it's part of it is society's fault because we don't spend enough time acknowledging that 
being a human is not about being happy all the time. It's about feeling the hard feelings like sadness and depression and anxiety. Um, I mean, this pandemic has showed us that, right? Like, I mean, collectively. So I think what I would say is um, if you feel like there are certain people around you who just don't make you feel good or you come home and you're like crying all the time just because you walk away and you feel like, oh my God, they made me feel so bad. Step away, step away, take some time away, focus on you, focus on the people that uplift you, build a community that no one's going to judge you. Um, I'm so blessed right now. I have these amazing friends who, you know, my friend Dipti, my friend Bella, my friend Mona, Simi, Roma. I mean, I can list so many. And these women, even now, like when I talk about grief 10 years later, 11 years later, they don't judge me. In fact, they lift me up and they're like, I'm so glad you're talking about this because it's going to help someone um, who's in the thick of it, who cannot get out of that tunnel, you know? So those are some, you know, trigger points, I would say. I wish someone would have told me this before I had, before I went through two major losses in my life, because I was surrounded by people who kind of were like, well, you're not over it yet. You haven't gone over it. Or it happened months ago, just let it go. Or it was your uncle. It wasn't like it was your father, you know? And I think a lot of people kind of really invalidated the grief I was feeling. And I put so much time and energy in being there for my aunt and little cousins because I love them so much. And I didn't want them to feel like they were alone, but I didn't have any support on the other end from anyone else. And although those three couldn't be there for me, it would have been so nice to find people who could have. And if I did, I feel like I really could have maybe not ended up in a psych ward and attempting suicide two times by having that feeling like I wasn't alone in it. So I'm so happy that you shared this advice because if that could prevent someone else from going through what I went, that would be the most amazing thing in the world. And I really want to ask you a bonus question. So what is one quote that you would like to share about grief? Here you go. You ready? I'm ready. Grief changes you. Grief brings you to your knees. Grief can take you to a very dark place. However, grief is something that no one wants to talk about. But yet, it's something that every single human will experience in their lifetime. Some experience it later in life and some experience it early in life. So let's smash the stigma when it talks. Let's smash the stigma on grief and mental health. And let's push the conversations so we can save lives. I love that so much. You are absolutely amazing, Dr. Monica. Every time I speak with you, I learn so much, first of all. And with learning comes growth, comes opportunity. And I just appreciate you giving me all of that. 
as well as just how encouraging you are and how uplifting and supportive. It has been an absolute honor getting to record with you a second time. Thank you so much. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. Um, I love the work that you're doing. Um, I cannot wait to come back and, uh, you know, do more work with you. I think you're just such an inspiration. So uh, thank you. The honor is all mine. And uh, I cannot wait for the universe to hear this episode. 